360 Ed TV is brought to you by Rice Studios and Agility. Mark, welcome to 360 Ed TV. Good to see you again. Uh, today, you've been sharing your thoughts around next generation uh, digital learning environments. This thinking is really going to challenge a lot of the established providers in the space. What leads you to believe that the current generation of LMSs really isn't cutting it? I guess, where do you see existing platforms negatively impacting on learning organisations? Sure. Um, learning management systems have been around for a long time yeah. and um, um, they're great for an administration tool and um, a repository tool and they're used in different ways. So the current batch of learning management systems are simply not cutting it because they're not keeping up with today's learner, basically. So um, today's learner is a multifaceted creature and they've got mm. their fingers in all sorts of different pies, technologies. They're on their mobiles, they're on their tablets, they're in their laptop, etc. So we really need a, a system that not only talks to other systems, but can, but can be sort of be part of the daily experience of, of learning. So um, my talk is around you know, next generation digital learning environments and talking about those environments, it's more about talking about the characteristics of those environments. So the integration, the interoperability, making sure that the learning management system can only can not only talk to your student information system, but can talk to a whole variety of different systems and get meaningful results at the end. So it's also talking about you know the personalization um, of learning management of systems, I guess, mm. to ensure that the learner is presented with information that they want to learn rather than what they already know. So personalization, not only around the learner, but also around the instructor in terms of what sort of um, analytics that they can get out of, of, the, of the system um, and around the, the program perspective as well. For a program, uh, manager to quickly identify learners at risk, to, to quickly identify what's working and, and what's not working. Um, but it's also around, um, you know, the analytics and I briefly spoke about uh, before the collaboration. And finally, um, accessibility and universal design. So you're looking at, sure, I'm going to access it from my mobile, my tablet, my desktop, but how, how else am I accessing information? And we have a myriad of different apps and different touch points that we can access information from. So that's, that's, that's basically it. That's, that's good, yeah. Uh, and look, you're right that there are so many options before us. And I think part of the challenge that besets institutions, educators, is that to make the right kinds of decisions, we need kind of a decision-based framework to actually assess what are the options? Glenn spoke a little bit about a framework uh, for decision making mm. in his uh, last session. Mm. But I wanted to just call out two things that, that you spoke about. Uh, one was the concept of backward design. And uh, you talked about holistic, uh, uh, programmatic uh, alignment across 
all of your courses, your programs, and your modules. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think what you're talking to there is a rethink of the way in which we approach the design of the programs we put into LMSs. Yeah, um, backward design basically is all about um, taking the learning outcomes or the competencies or the graduate attributes mm. and then um, knowing that that's the end result. To get to the end result, well, what sort of assessments do we need, uh, whether formative, summative assessments, what sort of things do we need to actually measure those results? And then what are the activities that um, make up you know those those assessments so backward design really isn't something that, that's new but what is new is the thinking around um, backward design not only at the course level but also at the, the programmatic uh, level so um, if you think of um, assets within uh, a system or for example a learning management system those assets can be reused and repurposed across different courses. But how often are they are done so? So if we look at actively and um, accurately targeting and naming those assets across um, different uh, courses, then they can be repurposed and reused, etc., etc. So the backward design really incorporates um, the accurate uh, tagging of information, not only um, at the very granular level, but right up to the, the programmatic level as well. We spoke about kind of the stasis that starts to occur when content has been left in an LMS yeah. for three, four, five, yeah. six years. And yeah. You'll have content in there that has case studies from the 90s. Yeah. And, you know, 200 plus PDFs. Uh, what you're talking about is, I guess, a conceptual architecture that thinks about content and assets uh, and activities in a dynamic way that are pulled in real time as determined by the data that the student is providing to the system? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have uh, systems now, the next generation digital learning environment, which will, you know, pose a, a series of questions to the learner to determine what they know and then deliver the content according to what they don't know. Of course, you've got to have that flexibility for the learner to go back to say, well, perhaps I, perhaps I really did need to know about something so they can go back and review the entirety of whatever the course is uh, producing. But to have that instance where you ask a series of questions and then you're only presented with information that you need to know is certainly a step forward. Um, and as I said before, you can always review uh, what you think you knew. So Mark, what benefits and features do you think these next generation digital learning platforms can present to learners? Well, I think, you know, learners now are a lot more dynamic in the way that they learn. They learn from um, various uh, points of engagement. So I think the, the biggest benefits are um, pinpointing those areas which they, they need to learn, um, giving them a holistic view of where they're at um, at a course level. So, you know, having a sort of like a digital dashboard of where they're at in a subject. Because as adult learners, we tend to pick out 
the low-hanging fruit first. We, we tend to go, yep, I need that, I need that, let's complete this. So we, we tend to jump all over the place in our learning. So to be presented with a digital dashboard where you can instantly tell where you're at in the course and what specifically you need to do to complete the course, I think is, is a massive benefit for the learner. Of course, the other benefit for the learner is um, at the programmatic level, having a dashboard where um, um, course directors, for example, can look at a course and determine what's working well and, and what's working not so well. You spoke about the PDFs before. So maybe learners aren't reading 255-page PDFs. They're more, more likely to go into a two-minute video rather than you know, sift through 255 pages of PDFs. Now, to have that digital dashboard where it can tell you those specific videos that uh, are more likely used as opposed to the 255-page PDFs, it's certainly got to be a bonus for uh, a university or institution. Exactly. Yeah. And as a student moves through a, a PDF of that size, there are no data points that you can capture. You can't understand how they're transacting with the, the information, whether it's relevant, whether it's, it's working for them. In your session today, you discussed uh, an open design framework um, that speaks more to that granularity. Yeah. Can you take us through that? Yeah, certainly. So frameworks are underpinned by, by standards, really. So um, if we look at the standards between systems, learning tools and interoperability, the LTI standards, now they've shifted as well from you know 1.2 to 2.0. We also have standards around um, open badging, the open badging initiative. So when I talk about um, an open framework, I'm talking about um, the enablement of data between systems so that they can not only talk to each other, but be standard across um, institutions and um, um, colleges throughout the world so that if a learner goes from one place to another, they can speak the same language to wherever they're going to have this transportability of uh, credentials. Um, and that certainly is uh, a plus. So hence the open open standards. Well, thank you. No, that's good. Yeah. Um, we were both speaking with uh, Peter uh, uh, Kilcoyle earlier today um, from the uh, Heart of Worcester College. Yeah. And he was talking about the blended learning consortium, which Cengage is a part of. As you look around in, in, in Australia, New Zealand, in your role in particular, um, who are the thought leaders, maybe the institutions, that you think maybe are on the right track uh, strategically, pedagogically, maybe technologically? Yeah, yeah. I'd, look, there's, there's many thought leaders, and I think that um, uh, the few that stand out to me are, are people like uh, John Mott, who's our Chief Learning Officer at Ed Sengage. Uh Deb Everhart is the, you know, the Vice President Vice President of Design and Innovation. Now, these people have spent considerable time um, in the areas of competency-based education and, and credentialing. So um, their vision, of course, is the, um, the enablement of the learner so that uh, what they learn can be easily transferred 
um, wherever they wherever they are. So, um, of course, Ken Robinson is is definitely a of course um, yeah. a good thought leader, and yeah. um, I particularly like his um, ideas on um, creativity. Yeah. So um, he's definitely one. Um, if I could just uh, jump in for a second, for those of you who haven't read any of John Mott's work, uh, please do go back and Google him uh, around learning objects. Uh, he basically wrote the book on, 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 on that component, I guess, of strategy, the thinking that, 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 that we're talking about. Yeah. And John is a very easy read, but there's a density to his approach and a robustness to what he he discusses which makes it a really strong basis for how institutions can get their heads around yeah. the components that yeah. are required to, yeah. to do exactly what you've just talked about. Sure, sure. Um, what are the deeper cultural issues, organisational challenges maybe that education leaders uh, need to address when we start to move in these kinds of um, conceptual evolutions? Sure, I mean, if you look at uh, millennials, um, the transition of language is always evolving. So the transition between a job and um, my life's purpose, mm. the transition between a boss and a mentor and a coach. So I think that in terms of um, a cultural shift, it's has to, you know, pay attention to the the evolution of, of language and where people um, see themselves and see themselves into the future. So, um, if we if we're looking at cultural and technological shift, nobody really knows what's going to happen in the next couple of years or, or five years, etc. But if we pay attention to the language which is being conversed with now we can really start to understand well how do we make that cultural shift and how we how do we make that that technological shift and coming back to that framework the conceptual framework the yeah. architecture that we we're talking about that's a really central piece because it allows you then to be flexible in how you surround your processes and your strategy with the right technology and the right partners yeah. and the right activities yeah yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> Mark, thank you. Final question yeah, for you. Sure. I'm, I'm asking it of everybody today. Um, and it's an interesting question from the perspective that we have academics, we have folks from, uh, from uh, commercial organisations, whole variety. Is the four-year degree dead? I would say not yet. It's still alive and well. <laughs> However... Um, it is um, being challenged considerably. Um, we look at companies like, for example, uh, General Assembly or Coursera or all these online providers of, of education um, and the, the badges that people earn for doing free courses and MOOCs, etc. So what's to say that um, someone doing a... Um, a web course online and being provided a badge is no less than someone doing a course at a, at a university. So in terms of the four-year degree of being dead, well, no, not yet. However, the market is changing. The market is changing and for institutions not to realise that is, 
um, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Especially, I guess, in light of the very clear focus on competency-based outcomes. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, as always, yeah. pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.